Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox post-game show, a remote version here in, uh, we're now past 1230. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. I'm your host of the CHGO White Sox post-game show. Alongside me, the full CHGO White Sox crew, we got Vinny Duber, the CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. And you can read his latest piece at All CHGO talking about Lance Lynn. And alongside us is Herb Lawrence, the man usually hello. in the middle. Sorry, I cut off your hello. All good. Well, you want to do it, it again? Works. No, 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 do it again. It's your signature. Hello. Okay. I feel like I'm still talking over that. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23 is our CHGO White Sox community leader. We still got people hanging out with us. So shout out to everybody with us. 32 people live at 1234 a.m. 1234 a.m. Uh, so make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button. And uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk about today. Jake Berger hitting two home runs. Luis Robert adding one. Sox win eight to four in L.A. And Mike Clevenger uh, having... You know, his best start as a White Sox pitcher, and then it all derailing with one throw. Let's start with the positive, though. Jake Berger, Herb, they said it couldn't be done. He's hit homers on the road. And not only has he hit homers, he's hit his last three homers on the road. It is an odd thing. The guy who usually barrels up balls can do it on the road. I mean, it was just an anomaly that he didn't do it uh, all year long on the road. But, you know, he saw Hall of Famer uh, Clayton Kershaw today with his 91, 92-mile-per-hour fastball. And he deposited on the first pitch he sees for that Hall of Famer, the first pitch he ever sees at Dodger Stadium. And then later in the game, when the White Sox are down and need something, need a big-time lift, Jake Berger's there for that home run off the fair pole. So, yeah, it's a, an oddity that this guy didn't start the year with the team, but now you'd be you know hard-pressed to not know where this team would be without his services this year. Yeah, I mean, it's not just the stats. It's the clutch moments, right? I mean, you know, obviously that walk-off grand slam uh, a, a couple of weekends ago, but – I mean, tonight they he, he he turned that game around. I mean, it looked like this team was falling apart, both uh, figuratively and literally. They making the mistakes in the field in the sixth inning to to blow that uh, meager lead that they had. But I mean, Clevenger goes down. You see, uh, you know, Benintendi get hit in the hand later in the game. You see um, the the comments on Yoan Moncada before the game that that, that we'll get to, I'm sure. Um, and then the, you know, just what was going on in the field. What is Tim Anderson doing there uh, on that play at second base? It, it looked like it was going to just be a disaster of a finish and jake Berger comes to the rescue rides in on the on the white horse right um so uh you know and and then the bats you know the rest of the lineup kind of followed suit after that adding another four runs after he ties the game up so um clutch moments from jake Berger showing that he can be not just you know a guy who has some talent but um a guy who is a very 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 important piece of this lineup right now yeah, I kept saying, like, it's just still a round white baseball. I don't, I don't understand why, you know, same thing last year when the White Sox were losing so much on the road uh, and couldn't, you know, win uh, when they were leaving guaranteed rate field. Um, you know, it's just a weird anom anomaly. I mean, he's he's a good hitter, and, you know, his approach stays the same. Um, he told you first, they kept bringing this up on the ESPN broadcast, that he's trying to homer each and every time he goes up there, each and every swing. He told Vinny first. Um, but still, I mean, like that's always been his approach, no matter whether it's at home or at, uh, or at whether it's at home or on the road. Um, you know, Jake Berger starting to see uh, those results uh, away from guaranteed right field. And I'm not sure if it's because of the eye pitch. I mean, we did see that storyline and uh, he did struggle uh, immediately in that first series where they had the eye pitch uh, in uh, Cleveland with them. But since then, I think he's got three homers on the road. Uh, so, again, he's, he hits the ball hard. Uh, his barrels are hit just as hard, uh, you know, away from guaranteed right field. Uh, as they are here. Um, let's get to the Moncada stuff, though, because uh, you mentioned it, Vinny. Uh, Daryl Vince Gowan out there. I think him and Merck are the two that are covering the team out in L.A. right now. Patrick Grafold did not rule out an I.L. stint for Yohan Moncada, who's been playing through back problems. Quote, it's been going. It's been an ongoing thing. We'll see how he uh, we move forward on that and take care of that. End quote, Grafold said. Uh, Jake Berger obviously playing third tonight um, and did a fine job. Uh, nothing really sticks out uh, defensively from him, um, negative or positive. He had one nice play. Um, but I mean, I kept saying, Vinny, you know, Hey, you know, doesn't look that good. You doesn't look that good. And now we're hearing IL. Is this super surprising just with what we've seen so far from Moncada, especially with, uh, some of the times he's running down first baseline. 
I mean, I guess it's not surprising from what your eyes would tell you, right? Because this is a guy who's had some obvious effects from that back injury that, that dates all the way back to spring training at this point. Um, some obvious effects from that. I, I guess the only way I, reason I would call it surprising is they and he have deemed him well enough to play for the, for a long time now since he came back from that IL stint at the beginning of the season. Um for every grimace or, or hobble that he might have on the field, we've seen him go out there and, and play third base again. You know, we've seen him go out there and, and swing the bat. Uh, you know, it, it, he's obviously not looking like the guy that, that we've seen in years past, even, you know, as recently as 2021, but you know, he's, he's gone out there and, and kind of fought through it. And it's really been a hallmark of his career is that he's fought through these injuries. It must now be that they're getting to the point where it's, it's not going to he's not going to be able to do that anymore if they're talking about a potential uh, trip to the injured list again for what would uh, I would imagine be the exact same back injury that sent him there the first time. Yeah, very disappointing. And I mean, he tried to fight through it and I don't know if it's going to end up in the IL stint, but it's clear that he is dealing with something that he is not generating power from. He's really not hitting the ball with authority at all right now. And so IL stint if that can get him back to being where he was in 2021, I would be all for it. But, you know, we've already talked about this, you know, him trying to play through injuries and be tough. And I commend him for it. But if you're on the field, you have to play. You have to play to the numbers that you're expected to play. So no excuses when you're on the field and hurt because that is what you have chosen to do. And so if he chooses and they choose to put him on the IL to get him better, when he does come back, I expect the player that we all expect at the beginning of the year because this, what the White Sox are doing with him, Tim, now Andrew Benintendi got hit in the hand again. So I I don't like how they deal with injuries and how they have these guys play through injuries. But if they want to put him on the IL, I'm all for it because he's not really doing a lot with the bat. And we already have a third baseman that's doing well enough, as you said today. Nothing stood out of bad or good from Jake Berger, except for the offensive stats. To yeah, your point, and- Herb, on, but to your point, Herb, on, on Moncada, you know, he's said in the past, and, and he would be right to say it again this year, he feels the need to play through it that because the team is always so banged up. You say that you don't like the way they deal with injuries. Well, you want the whole team on the aisle at the same time. I mean, at, at some point, you got to feel the roster. And, uh, you know, no team has a bunch of guys who are sitting around at 100%. Um, the White Sox obviously have had more than their fair share of injuries uh, over the last few years. But, uh, you know, I'm sure Moncada has been thinking the same thing he thought when he when he told us that back in 2021. So, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a mindset thing. And I think, you know, for all the crap he gets about, uh, you know, taking a little time, uh, you know, after sliding into second base or something like that to, to get right. Um, this is a guy who has, has answered, the, answered the bell uh, every time he could, even when he has been far from 100%. Yeah, but, I mean, at this point, he's kind of just – he's hurting the team. I mean, Jake Berger is a better player. I mean, his defense isn't that bad. And at this point, he's at where Jose Abreu was August 3rd with home runs. I mean, he's got 14 home runs. Uh, or no, Sorry, he's past uh, Jose Abreu. Uh, he's now at 15 because he had two tonight. Um, so now you have Robert and uh, Berger at 16 and 15. This team was dying for power last year. Andrew Vaughn led the team with 17. And here we are with two guys at 16 and 15. And we aren't even past, uh, you know, the Ides of June. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm extremely kind of for Yohan Makata getting that health bar all the way up to 100%. Because if he's not at 100%, We've seen what he is, and you can see those stat cast letters. I know it's a very uh, brief overview of what a player is, and it's not truly defining on whether a player is good or not, um, but you just see those percentiles dipping down and down and down. He doesn't seem like the full healthy player that he was in 2019. It seemed like, you know, if we are going to use a video game analogy here, it just seems like he's taken a lot of critical hits, and he's never just really been able to uh, rebound. You know, maybe he'll get up to – 50% and you know he uses all of his power in you know the first series against Houston and and here we are dealing with this uh you know I mean we've talked about the World Baseball Classic with Lance Lynn Yohan Moncada I mean we saw him immediately hit the IL uh right after the World Baseball Classic ended after he had a fantastic World Baseball Classic and uh you know the results just haven't really been there and we even saw him do well once he hit Charlotte and had a rehab assignment didn't translate uh, to Major League Baseball uh, after he returned. So uh, hopefully he can get healthy because right now, uh, hey, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm for um, Moncada hitting the IL. We have 102 people watching us right now. Wow. We're excited after a victory. It was a, a resilient victory where most of us, especially after that Tim Anderson, uh, Elvis Andres play, and then Pedro Gafrol getting kicked out, I thought, man, this game is over. This team is lifeless. They don't know where the right ball to put the, put the ball in the right spot, and it's over. Their offense has never really done anything as of late. And then you get Jake Berger and all the rest of the boys following him up and really putting it to the Dodgers late in that game. Well, I thought it was over. And so these people are excited. I mean, how many wins have we had as of late? Like, since this is what? The homestand? This is the four? We broke a four Ooh. game streak? Ooh. Hello. Did Hello. we lose everybody? Hello. Hi. There was a blackout at Dodger Stadium for there about was. 10 seconds, and I think we just experienced one. Herb, you were going on with a, a lovely thought there. Why don't you pick it up wherever you thought you left off? No, I, I don't know where it went. Um, but Amazing. I was just saying, the people <laughs> are excited Berger about Jake Robert doing well. The yeah, offense these people, being bad. Yeah, these people are excited about uh, the victory. That was a great victory. I don't know. Uh, our producer, Kevin Wells, asked us, is this the best victory of the year? I don't know about the best, but it is a very resilient victory for the White Sox coming back from all the adversity they had in this game. Well, what does Tom Brady always say? The best ring's the the most recent, right? And, you know, the the next ring is is the best win. So, I mean, it probably just feels that important because the White Sox were what one four in their last five. It feels so important. It's the Dodgers. The White Sox were bound to win one, and the Dodgers bullpen completely blew up tonight. I mean, that that's the main thing that I, I take away. Like the White Sox had those big three shots, two from Berger and one from Robert. But like you said, Herbert, that was the offense today. Like, I mean, I mean, there wasn't really consistency and the Dodgers really weren't putting up anything against Mike Clevenger. And then JD Martinez fouls a ball out to right field and it seems pretty innocent. And then they cut to Mike Clevenger and he's holding this collarbone. Uh, we hear from the White Sox. He leaves with right bicep soreness. If I'm buying that, Herb, I don't know if you can talk because you might have some uh, uh, what some ambulances were coming by your house. You're not buying it. Dr. Anderson is not his uh, has a <laughs> no. different diagnosis. Is that what I'm led to believe? A Dr. Delusional is as checked in, he has put on his scrubs, washed his hands, and uh, he's he's not buying right bicep soreness, Vinny. It was mm. not good at all. Like, I don't know what it is, and I'll take the White Sox word for it. Hopefully, it's a right bicep uh, soreness for Mike Clevenger and the White Sox because if it's anything serious. We're discussing in the uh, chat. They don't really have a lot. We already know that Jesse Schultons. We have Tanner Banks, who does like minor league uh, relieving, but he started last year. Sean Burke is sucking down there at AAA, but it is it is a band box. They don't have a lot of depth. However, we feel about Mike Clevenger, he was dealing today, and he how he was dealing today would look good for the White Sox moving forward. So if it's for the White Sox, a serious entry, they're in trouble, big time trouble. It looked yeah, bad, they- and and whether you uh, whether you want to make your own diagnosis, Sean, I would advise against that. That seems irresponsible, but uh, but it did look bad. We'll say that, and uh, I, I think I think uh, Alden Gonzalez said on the on the ESPN broadcast, we all saw it. It looked bad. So um, that's that, that was an accurate description. Uh, when a guy can't really lift his arm, that's that's troubling. So, um, you know, I'm not ready to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll wait for the White Sox to update this before we put a timeline on it. But um, Herb, you're right. You know, when your, your mind instantly goes to, okay, who makes that, that next turn in the rotation for this team? And you say they don't have much depth. I would argue that they have basically no depth down there uh, in the minor leagues that they can call on and be confident. And we'll put it that way. Um, I, I'll, I'll go back to the fact that Davis Martin, surprised last year and so they could call on somebody who could surprise again but uh you can't rely on that and uh you know again i I don't think it's anyone's real fault you know what i mean they locked in five starting pitchers who's going to come and sign up to to be a minor league arm for this team they they went out and got who they thought they could get they hoped they could find a diamond in the rough and uh jesse schulton seems to be their best chance at that, but I don't know how much confidence uh, he's bringing with him. If he's going to be the guy who gets inserted into the rotation in, in any event, whether it's this with Mike Clevenger or somewhere down the line this year. 
Yeah, we'll talk about that in, uh, a little bit later on uh, after the break, um, because there is, you know, the big question of who fills in that role if it is extremely serious. Because, again, Dr. Anderson, although we were waiting on x-rays, um, you know, it, it did not look good to the naked eye, uh, the naked trained uh, doctor's eye. But uh, what did look good is Luis Robert Swing. Uh, he had a double today and a home run. Uh, and he's been fantastic since the benching, quote unquote, uh, since May uh, 2nd, uh, since uh, Luis Robert was benched. Uh, or quote unquote, I got benched in the second game of that race series at home and did not play on the 30th. Um, Luis Robert has a 142 at bats, an OPS of 992, pretty chill, uh, 10 walks, 45 Ks, but the most important numbers 11 home runs, 13 doubles, 22 RBIs. Um, this is a franchise changer and uh, very exciting things when Luis Robert can just kind of you know, give your team a lead for five innings. You really don't have to worry. Um, Herb, I mean, this is a, a game changer and really the reason why you keep going back to this team can't sell in this division. Not at all. They have too many good players that are playing poorly. We've only got these two guys that we've mentioned already, Jake Berger and Luis Robert playing above expectations. All the rest of them, every single one of the rest of the hitters are probably at at or below average of where they're supposed to be. And so, yeah, they just need one of these guys. You saw late in the game with Aloy Jimenez with that double there um, getting the hit. That's We need more of that. We need more consistency of him playing. You know, he spent the last four days out for being hurt, but it's good that he's starting to hit. If they can get this contagion going, you saw Clint Frazier even contributing late to a game. Yasmani Grandal, my pick to click before the game started because of his familiarity with uh, Clayton Kershaw catching him before I thought he was going to have a good game. He had a pretty solid game, a three for five game. So if they keep continuing this, this hitting streak, this contagious hitting, I think this can carry them for a little while while the pitching has been carrying them since the month of May. As you said, Luis Robert should be this good all the time, but it's, we get these drips and drabs, 16 home runs. Awesome. Excellent. But I need him to be a little bit better than he is right now. His defense has been great. But his offense, it, we were watching the other day when he would just spit on a couple sliders and a couple balls in the dirt that he would swing at. That's the consistency I need of the plate discipline, of knowing when to swing and how to swing. And today, he just dropped that barrel down and crushed Clayton Kershaw for that home run. And that double late in the game was nice, too. Vinny? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, just, I mean, I, don't know. I, I mean, Herb said it all. I mean, Luis Robert is playing fantastically right now. I, I don't know uh, how much more I, there is to add right now. I, I, I think you know when it comes to Herb evaluating the offense, yeah, this is a this is a good night. I think the thing is they need to make this a more regular occurrence. I mean, we talked, we were talking last night about a team who had scored. Um, you know, only more than three runs. I think in three of their ten games in June, something like that. So this is now. Four and eleven, so that's 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 a positive. But uh, but they need to make this a habit. Um, you know, obviously in comeback fashion, you can't expect that every single night. Eight runs is a lot. You shouldn't expect that every single night. But um, this lineup was built to hit like this, built to hit around Luis Robert Jr. like this. And you know, I mean, he's a guy who's not only going to be able to drive in runs, but he's going to be able to set the table for the guys behind him. You know, for the for the Eloys and Burgers and Vaughns of the world. Um, they need to drive him in. <laughs> he's he you know it, it's a it's a um problem that has really bedeviled this team all year consistent offense they haven't had it to speak of and if they can get some consistent offense you're talking about a division that is well within grasp they they sh they probably should from what we've seen from these five teams through two and a half months of baseball they if they can hit with consistency they should be the team to to emerge from this swamp of a division <laughs> It, well, her real quick. I mean, it was. I think it's twelve fifty two. So I'm. I might be mishearing you. But do you want more? You want more consistency from Luis Robert? Yes. Like he's been good, but like Herb, Herb will settle for nothing less than the best player Herb, in baseball. Herb, yes. Well, I mean, for the last past thirty eight games, he's got a OPS near one thousand. Okay. His That's slugging good. percentage in the pat in the past thirty eight games is over six hundred. But in this same stretch. Have you seen games where he's gone 0 for 4 and looked absolutely horrible at the pl plate? No, 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 no. Not like you just strike out. No, I'm swinging at balls that are okay. way in the dirt. Not disciplined at the plate. Not looking like he is knowing what the pitchers are trying to do to him in year four. He's still making I, I rookie-type mistakes at the, plate, at the plate. Yes, the numbers look good. 
but he needs to keep this up consistently. I, I think 38 games is consistent enough to show at least improvement in the first in, in, in well in April, uh, 33 strikeouts to four walks. Uh, and then again, in the past 38 games, 45 Ks to 10 walks. I mean, that's, that's just better, right just better than the bet, the bad guy. He was, he needs to be, he, I don't know what you guys don't get. He's not a regular player. I don't compare him to regular white Sox. He's a top of the league player. That's what he is, and that's what I expect him to be. Not just good, great. Aye, aye, Captain. Hey, I'm I, okay. Great. Uh, exactly. I, he's got an OPS I, near. I, he's got an OPS near a thousand over the past thirty-eight games. I think that's pretty great. Her, I Herb, know. I think. Put I think it's. For a full I think, season. I think it's reasonable to expect him to be among the best players in baseball. That's the guy that the White Sox have said that that they expect to see, right? They're the ones who have been talking about the six-tool player, about the guy that can do it all. His teammates comparing him to Mike Trout and whatnot. Um, you know, that that's fine if you want to have those expectations. That being said, you know, 1,000 OPS over a little bit, that that's pretty good. And, and, and I, I would point to this. I would point to the biggest thing that we noticed watching Luis Robert before he was Luis Robert Jr. last year. Um, and then in then in April this year, after he became Luis Robert Jr., uh, was that was that plate discipline. It was it was horrible. It was, you know, he was swinging at he was swinging at everything. Um, and and he was probably to a major league pitcher, kind of an easy out because you you could just throw it off the plate and he would swing and miss it. Since we've heard that he's been focusing on that work, he has looked like a different hitter. He has looked like a different baseball player. Uh, and it goes to show you that he always had those tools in there. So your frustration when he wasn't showing them is is proven to be correct. Because look, look what he could do all along. He just needed to focus on it a little bit more. Um, but man, he uh, he he has been very good lately. Um, you know, if you're expecting perfection in this game, you're going to be disappointed a lot of the time. But he is a uh, but he he is a very good player, and he's been hyped up. So I get why you think that. Hey, again. Uh... 122 games for Vaughn to reach 17 home runs last year. Right now, through 66 games, Roberts at 16. I mean, Again, uh, you're comparing him he's to healthy. A, bad, a bad team and a bad play. A he's bad, healthy. Average yeah. player last year. I'm, I'm comparing, comparing, I'm comparing to him to uh, – Luis Robert is finally healthy. I mean, it's I think fine, he's about but... to per, per, uh, surpass the most games he's ever played in a season. No, no, he's not. I'm sorry. Uh, he's about to surpass the uh, amount of games he played in 2021. Yes. But I'm saying when you bring up Vaughn last year, that was a bad team and a mediocre player. He's not that. And you bringing that up and comparing him to that tells me exactly where he's at. He should be better than that. We should never, that shouldn't be a thing. It in half the games, he's, he's tied the, he's tied his home run amount. What? I think no, it's pretty yeah. good. What part yes, are you comparing saying? it to a bad home run amount? Okay. Yeah, there were a lot of players on this very same White Sox team who should have had this many home runs at this point last year. Yes, and didn't. I, oh, I, I, well, I, Luis Robert should have been one of them. He's finally doing it. I don't know. I mean, we didn't have people doing it last year. Someone has. Uh, we do have this uh, super chat from Daniel. We'll take a break uh, and then let. Uh, 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 we'll, we'll then my answer. Daniel's, Daniel's question. Um, we do want to let you know, though, about one of our new sponsors. Sunnyside Cannabis Dispensary is your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping, a place where all kinds of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of high-quality products. Um, obviously, this is uh, new to Illinois still in the in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Illinois has been around since 1800, folks. Uh, just, uh, what, 2021, uh, cannabis became legal in this state, and Sunnyside will allow you to uh, have a welcoming, knowledgeable, positive, and confident experience. We'll make sure that you will be buying the right things for possibly your first experience because they're a one-stop shop for all your cannabis needs, no matter where you are on your cannabis journey. Again, if that is whether you're starting off or you're like Herb uh, taking crazy pills, um, you know, bashing Luis Robert. Not bashing, expecting more. All right, sir. Um, but hey, uh, you will expect a ton and expect more from Sunnyside uh, Cannabis Suspensory, and they will always live up. And through August, head to sunnyside.shop and use code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off your total order, one use per customer. And that's not only for new, new customers. Anyone can use our code. Pick up everything you need to elevate your summer. Must be 21 plus or an Illinois Med Card holder. Um, Herb, I, I know, again, this is a new uh, sponsor here, but I, I know you 
you, you partake, and uh, I, I know do. you're a fan of Sunnyside. I do. It's right down the street from me in Wrigleyville, right across from Wrigley Field. And uh, that one's nice. It's uh, the former John Barleycorn, if you ever partied there and back in your youth. But uh, nice and bright, everything, and the people, the I don't know what they call them, bud tenders. They uh, really tell they you do. exactly what you need to be getting into. If you ask them, if you're a novice, they'll get you right. I think I think bud tender is what you uh, legally put on your LinkedIn page if you are a, a bud tender uh, over at Sunnyside. Um, if you are, you, know, you probably got a degree. Uh, if 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 uh, you, you are on LinkedIn, um, it's possible that you're trying to get a job or maybe elevate your career, and you can elevate your career uh, over at Lewis University. Many of our students are adults like you, and many have full time jobs or are fa- uh, and or families, and all of them chose Lewis supportive educational community to help make their transition back to school as easy as possible and earn a respected degree. It's 35 miles southwest of Chicago in Romeoville, and it's ranked as one of U.S. News and World Report's top-tier colleges, and Lewis partners with numerous employers for tuition discounts and offers evening, online, and blended formats to help you balance your work, family, and education. And hey, maybe you're not even uh, you know, an adult in your uh, family life at this point. Maybe you're somebody who's gone to a different full-time college, and it's not right for you, like my cousin Maggie, who uh, Ball State wasn't right for her, and she was looking to complete her bachelor's degree. And uh, Lewis had the right program for her. She enrolled in their nursing program uh, and she did a fantastic job, uh, got a job right out of Lewis University at the hospital she wanted to. And now she's uh, living all out her own in Elmhurst. And we're so proud of her. How a degree from Lewis can help you build a better world, just like my cousin Maggie. Uh, you can learn more at lewisu.edu slash you can do this. Uh, shout out to Lewis and shout out to Sunnyside. Um, all right, let's get back into the uh, the Clevenger discussion here. And again, thanks everybody for uh, hanging out with us. Uh, 94 people watching us. Again, why? It's 1 a.m. Oh, wait, before we get into the Clevenger thing, let's get into our uh, super chat here. Uh, thank you to Daniel Stack. Uh, we don't have our uh, super chat uh, sounds today, but uh, Daniel says, what do you think of Bob Nightingale saying that Pedro Griffall has done nothing as manager, uh, nothing different anyhow? Not sure. I disagree. Uh, we talked a little bit about this briefly, but to respect Daniel's super chat, uh, Herb, um, did this pass the smell test? Not at all. I don't know where he got his information from. We know that in the past it's been rumored that he has a source in the White Sox system or either Reinstorf or Kenny Williams. And, you know, some of the stuff comes from them. I think this is just a blind thing where he's just going off uh, and rogue on Pedro Grafal for some reason. It's ridiculous. Pedro doesn't deserve any of this blowback. As we talk about all the time, managers very little. They matter very little in game decisions. I think where his game matters is the conversations he has off the field, the relationships he has with these players and such. And I don't see anything from being, you know, outside looking in that anything that Pedro's done that this team um, that Pedro's made this team the way it is right now from what Vinny has reported I don't see anything that Pedro's doing something nefarious or anything bad to these players I think it's mostly the players not performing and them being hurt all the time so I don't know why Bob is you know taking time off his USA Today national article and blaming a rookie manager in his third month of his uh, career yeah, I mean, I think what it what it kind of strikes me as is um, I don't want to say a joke because it went on a little long to be a, to be a joke, but um, <laughs> it, it was a it was a I think playful reference to the fact that Tony Larusa received the blame that he did last year um, for things going so so poorly for the White Sox, um, and you know I think we've seen so many commenters and so many Twitter responses throughout the season um, from folks watching this team post a significantly worse record than it did last year going, Oh, maybe it wasn't Tony's fault. Oh, maybe we, maybe fire Tony wasn't the uh, correct thing to be chanting. Obviously this is a much more uh, nuanced discussion than you can get into in a few minutes. But um, I, I think it goes to show that the White Sox went out, hired a guy to uh, be the manager to fix all these problems. The problems weren't fixed. I don't think that the expectation should have been that he was going to fix all the problems by himself. After all, this was the same collection of players that this team and this front office put together and their lack of production is the reason why the White Sox are where they are. So, um, 
I would not rush to blame Pedro for anything that has gone wrong with the White Sox so far this year. Um, but I, I get the idea, the the reference, the dare I say joke that uh, perhaps last year was not all Tony LaRusso's fault. Yeah, the quote uh, was all spring. They were saying, look at what the new manager is doing. Pedro Grafal. He's done nothing. I was joking. They should give Tony LaRusso another plaque in Cooperstown for actually winning with this team. Um, hey, baseball's baseball's weird. I think uh, I think that's what we could chalk it up to. Uh, and as we shown earlier, again, Pedro Grafal has been very uh, influential, I guess, in, in Luis Robert and uh, maybe chalk it up to healthier. But uh, I know Herb isn't happy with the 992 OPS, uh, but Didn't again, over over 38 games, I'm just giving shit. Over 38 games, uh, I think we've seen just Pedro's way to turn uh, what was originally, I think, a very negative situation and taught it into a teaching moment for Luis Robert. Hey, this is what I'm trying to do in communication. And that player's confidence was not destroyed. And he's been cruising ever since that moment. It was a blip on the radar. And look at what he's done over the past 38 games. Do you want to bench this guy? 992 OPS herb? I do not. Okay. All right. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think that it's just BS. And we've seen a lot of scoops from Bob Nightingale within this Tony La Russa saga, the, the, this new chapter of Tony La Russa dating back to when, Hey, the White Sox are looking at Tony La Russa as their next manager. And everyone's like, what? No, they're not. What happened like 10 days later? Oh, they hired him. Um, I don't know. He's just got a, he's got a track inside Tony La Russa. Uh, maybe he's got his phone number or something. So I, I don't know. I think it's uh, him probably standing up for his buddy. Uh, but that's just me. Let's move into Mike Clevenger here. Um, a couple of things that I want to start with. Uh, he threw 73 pitches in this game before leaving. Um, and what Jess Mendoza was doing on the broadcast that I thought was a, uh, uh, you know, uh, very interesting um, was just talking about how he was really focusing on locating glove side and mainly to righties away from them. And this is on balls in play that were outs called strikes, foul balls, foul tips and swinging strikes. And you can just see the red uh, that really starts from the middle of the plate and away. Um, and that really helped his slider and fastball, which have been up and down this entire season, be effective. Um, you could see here, um, again, he threw his fastball 35 times, slider 21 times, his cutter 12 times, uh, and Lucas Giolito uh, in the dugout uh, referred to it as a slider and sweeper. Uh, so maybe that cutter is more of an actual slider, especially with it being around 83 miles per hour. Um, and then that slider, more of the sweeper that moves across uh, uh, more uh horizontally um but as you can see uh the whiffs were up on both the slider and the cutter today uh four whiffs on the slider three whiffs on the cutter um and was able to get four called strikes on the slider so one of his most effective days as a white Sox pitcher but the biggest news is him leaving with right bicep soreness um i don't know if we really need to talk much about the performance because Again, uh, Dr. Anderson, although we are waiting for the uh, x-rays, uh, didn't look too good. Um, Jesse Schultons is going to get the first crack at this. But, I mean, do do we think the White Sox exhaust any free agent options? Um, Dylan Bundy, Chris Archer, those were guys that weren't signed this offseason. Madison Bumgardner was DFA'd. You guys are both shaking your heads. Jesse Schultons is our guy? I mean, the the thing that springs to my mind when you bring up the names of those veterans is is how much how much time are they going to require to get major league ready? You know what I mean? Like, so uh, you say, you know, is it Jesse Shultons or, or or nothing? I mean, even if you made one of those moves, it'd be Jesse Shultons for a while, right? I mean, so um, it is you know possible that they go in some different direction. They say, hey, we want to give a guy a different guy that's down in the minor leagues a look right now. But Jesse Shultons was the guy that they've called on each of the last couple times that they've needed another arm. Uh, it would not surprise me one bit that if they do need another arm here again, and to need one even for an extended period of time, that he would be the first, uh, the first option for them. Uh, really, he strikes as the only option um, in, in, in my mind. Like I said, maybe they want to be like, all right, Sean Burke, we'll throw you into the fire, but that's not really a very White Sox thing to do, um, at least since you know, in the last several years since this rebuilding process has started to kind of force guys before they're ready. So um, I think you'd be more likely to see Schultons. Uh, maybe Nate Fisher is a name to, to think about. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think Schultons has probably got to be the only one that, that really comes to mind. There's just not much in the way of depth down there to speak of because of Davis Martin being down for the year with the Tommy John. 
Yeah, and I think that uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea to sign one of those guys and get them ramped up to speed just in case Jesse Schulten isn't the guy for the full year. He will be, I think, the first option, as Vinny and you both said, Sean. Um, And then we'll see how he does. But I have no – I'm not against signing Dylan Bundy or Chris Archer to see what they have and see if you can do a Johnny Cueto uh, like the White Sox did last year to have a guy – uh, fill in just in case this Mike Clevenger thing is longer than, you know, just a couple starts missing, even though we think it's going to be much more severe than just a couple starts. But we'll see when the White Sox actually get the MRI and all the good work done on his arm. So, yeah, I'm they're in a bad spot no matter what. If Mike Clevenger is missing any time, they're in a bad spot. If he's missing extended a period of time, they're in a really bad spot because it's he – for whatever he is, is the second best pitcher this year. He's pitched the second best this year over Dylan Cease, who was probably the third best. And then Michael Kopech is either ace material or sometimes he's uh, really bad. And then you get the whatever you get from Lance Lynn every time. So having Mike Clevenger being a stabilizing force in that bull in that uh, starting rotation was a very surprising thing. And he pitched very well today. And if you're going from his effort this year to what Jesse Schulten's going to give you, you're going to fall off the table a little bit. And hopefully Jesse Schulten steps up to the table and just gives you regular major league starting pitcher effort, five innings, four earned runs, and the White Sox offense can bail him out every once in a while. Well, and the one thing that was unique about um, the White Sox, uh, Vinny, you always mentioned that, hey, you know, this is something that every MLB team deals with in injuries. The White Sox haven't dealt with a ton of starting pitcher injuries. Obviously, Clevenger was out for a little bit. Uh, for about 15 days in the IL earlier uh, this year. But the White Sox are in the top half of least amount of starters used. I think the White Sox have used about seven starters, and it differs from some franchises' strategies. Obviously, the Rays are always going to be at the bottom of that stat because they have openers. Um, But the White Sox completely avoid that strategy, right? They want their five guys, and they are in the top of the MLB in the least amount of starting pitchers used. I think they've used seven. Um, so we'll see if that changes. Jesse Schultz just might become a, that guy and be able to fill in. I mean, we saw Davis Martin, uh, who you called the safety net, and is obviously dealing with Tommy John um, of this uh, of the staff. Um, you know, maybe Jesse Schultz is able to, to, to fit in. Um, I don't know if you mentioned this, but I do just want to plug. Uh, Vinny wrote an article back on May 17th um, about – davis martin losing or or losing davis martin to uh, tommy john uh, and talking about some of the possible fill-ins uh for the white Sox there um and just to update shirek bobby who asked how is cueto doing in miami um he has been dealing with some injuries um but he was just doing a rehab down in double a two and two-thirds four hits no one runs one walk no strikeouts rickon call kimming (laughs) No, is it pitch clock? Has the pitch clock killed Johnny Cueto? Um, I saw him on Instagram live. I mean, he's still chilling. I mean, Johnny Cueto isn't isn't bothered him. He still seems cool, calm, and relaxed. I mean, we're talking about working relationships. I, I missed Vinny's first part of the answer because I had to go with my charger. Um, that seemed like you guys were no on Mad Bum, but I mean, Johnny Cueto has a relationship with Ethan Katz. Johnny Cueto also has a job pitching for a team that is. They have a better trades. spot than the White Sox is, or the White Sox are, I should say. But uh, you know, the again, you're going to give up something now just to fill to plug this hole. I mean, like, listen, we'll, we, I guess this is a better question, probably for a little bit down the road. Let's see where the White Sox are as they get a little closer to the trade deadline. Um, you know, I think we were already probably we were probably gearing up for like a nice little obituary for this team. Had they, had they lost this game tonight, dropped to 11 under 500 dropped to almost what, seven, six and a half back of the twins, something like that. So I'm you're or more, I guess, but uh, you know, this is uh this is a hard thing to say that they need to go rush out and trade prospects. You know, the little prospect capital that they have to get themselves another starting pitcher. If we don't even know whether they're actually in this thing or not yet. Yeah, and I don't know if Johnny Cueto is going to be the guy that showed up last year. Also, if we're trading a guy on our um, prospect list, which we don't have a lot, it's a big-time risk. I'd rather trade for something that's a little bit more of a certainty and something that's going to be years with the team instead of a rental for a couple months, and maybe it doesn't work out. 
Yeah, and hey, uh, Bryce brings up a good point. I, I think uh, ESPN flashed this. All the guys that were, I think even, uh, maybe it was NBC Sports Chicago uh, yesterday, all the guys on the uh, IL for the Dodgers uh, shows you the difference between the Sox and the Dodgers organization. Look how many injuries the Dodgers have, and they're fine because they know how to build depth. Uh, we have one starting pitcher go down and no depth. I guess two, if you want to cart, uh, count uh, Davis Martin, uh, two go down, and it's really just been uh, uh, difficult for the White Sox to find that depth. But, I mean, you look at the offseason – I mean, we mentioned Nate Fisher. We mentioned Jesse Schultons, uh, AJ Alexa. Yes. Uh, give him a mention. Um, they tried to find some minor league depth this off season. It's just hasn't really panned out. Um, and they really haven't been able to kind of excel or propel any of the guys in-house. And that's why we thought about, Hey, maybe even Garrett crochet, a guy that you talked about just a couple of years ago as being a possible starter um, and maybe moving him down to the minor leagues and working on that. But, you know, well, and you wonder kind of where best outing out of the bullpen. So you, you wonder, you know, you might be out there like, where was the Johnny Cueto move this this winter? Where was the veteran minor league deal? You've just brought up a lot of guys who, who went completely unsigned at, at all. You know, was there was there a chance for that? I think it ties in probably to what you said before, that there was a relationship between Cueto and Katz and Katz could go to Rick Honor or, you know, the front office in general and say, hey, bring that guy back. We can, we can do something with that guy. It won't be a waste of time. You know, if, if that other relationship isn't out there, maybe there isn't that guy that says, that says, Hey, that I, we, we have some certainty Herb, like you use the word certainty there, there might not be that certainty with these remaining veterans that are around. And obviously guys who were around, uh, you know, back during the spring and even in the winter. So, um, you know, I, I understand that in situations like these, the tendency is to say, well, why didn't they do more to, to build this up? I just don't see it being very easy to convince some uh, a, a someone with a major league track record to say, hey, do you want to be the seventh starter on our team? Like, you know, that's just uh, it's just not a good not a good selling point, I don't think, to for, for any team, uh, White Sox or, or, or any other one. Well, and to plug your article, I'm not sure if you did when I when I sent out. Um, um, go ahead. Go ahead, Sean. Oh well, well just to plug, plug, yeah, plug his article. Uh, just to plug his article about Lance Lynn uh, and, and mm-hmm. the ERA. I mean, now if Clevenger's uh, injury is going to be serious, again, you're, you're looking for people to just throw innings, really, just to hopefully put you in a position where we were looking, Herb, last year for Johnny Cueto to just give you five innings and maybe three earned runs or less. Um, Lance Lynn, at this point, it's just, you know, he hasn't been able to give you three earned or runs or less, but he's a guy that has been consistently able to throw over 170 innings. So, I mean, he, he does have mm-hmm. value in the fact that uh, he he can eat them. Yeah, and uh, Kevin Wells, our producer today, uh, pointed out that Dylan Bundy is currently with the Mets minor leagues and doing ungood. Six starts, ten ERA, Syracuse Mets. So, right. so I wouldn't trade for him. Let's say that. To your point on Lance the, Lynn, too, it's like. Play. To your point on Lance Lynn, it's like, you know, you've got this guy who is going out there and eating innings. Look at what happened tonight in L.A. when, you know, Clevenger goes down for an injury reason, not because he couldn't get out of it. But it goes to it goes to show you how pretty good the White Sox starting rotation has been at getting deeper into games, especially the last month and a half, because, my God, they were trotting out every reliever they had in the bullpen. And and I and I I looked up at one point. I'm like, my God, this is a lot of pitchers because they needed three guys to get through the sixth inning, obviously. But, you know, that that bullpen is is burned for tomorrow. Basically, they need a good start in order to save that bullpen. If that were to start happening with more regularity, if I mean, I, I believe when Jesse Schultz came up in in to pitch in Clevenger's absence, he wasn't going more than four or, or, or four and change. Uh, he had the one that one outing that came after Jimmy Lambert was the opener, and then he had the one start, I believe. And I don't think either of those outings for him went terribly long. So, um, I mean, is, is he capable of throwing six, seven innings in a, in a game and and and? continuing to make this bullpen able to perform at the level that it's performed at for the last month and a half. These are, these are real concerns because you look up tonight and you're like, wow, this is, they're using a lot of guys to get through this game. And then, Hey, it ended up in a win. But uh, if, if that's something that's going to be happening on a regular basis, I have to imagine that the bullpen numbers will not stay quite as good as they've been. Yeah. And Hey, maybe they'll get creative. Uh, I know Lambert's on a rehab assignment. Um, yes. We've seen him have length, uh, length before. Uh, you mentioned the 
the White Sox using their bullpen and all the guys they used. Uh, Theodore Dennis mentioning uh, Lopez, who pitched today, uh, also having uh, his past uh, experience with length. So uh, maybe they're able to get two innings out of Jimmy Lambert, and maybe they're able to get two innings out of uh, Reynaldo Lopez, and we'll see where we're at. Um, then maybe they bring in Tanner Bakes to try to eat him. Uh, like you mentioned, Herb, uh, with his past length uh, in the minor leagues. Um, let's take a quick ad break, and then we'll do some quick hitters and, and get out of here. Because, again, it's 1.15 a.m. Uh, we got 110 people watching. Why? Hit the thumbs up button, you psychos. Uh, hey, you know, it's psychopathic uh, if it's 1.15 and you put on sunglasses. All right. Uh, they are meant to take on the sun, and the sun is not out. Uh, take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Race have you covered for the warm weather head with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shade Race is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. They have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, it tells us that they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Uh, maybe you just got really frustrated you know, at the moon and broke your sunglasses. They're not going to ask you any questions. Uh, wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. And if you don't love your Shady Rays, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code CHGO for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized shades. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Again, ShadyRays.com using the code CHGO to get 50% off two plus pairs of polarized shades and it's u.s open time folks uh they're gonna be in la uh you know impressing uh, all the stars out there for the u.s open this week and uh you know they're probably wearing pins and aces gear to be honest with you they're the official uh, golf apparel uh, partner of all city and chgo we love our pins and aces gear and uh you know all the pros that are wearing the pins and aces gear uh, at the usa uh, open will be getting compliments on and off the course because uh, they'll be styling and profiling uh their family owned uh, golf and apparel business and they make amazing polos hats golf bags and even our favorite beer sleeve an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep drinks cold the entire round so check out pinsandaces.com and use code chgo to receive 15 percent off your first order and get free shipping that's pinsandaces.com um a couple quick hitters here uh Sonics are 30 and 39 five and a half games back uh in the al central minnesota's won two straight they are atop the division uh, at 35 and 33 guardians have lost two straight to herbs uh padres the, the papas uh 31 36 they're three and a half games back um I want to go to probably Benintendi first. We'll, we'll do Benintendi, then we'll do Pedro, uh, and then uh, we'll talk about click-to-pick. Um, I, I thought it was very funny, and maybe not funny is the wrong word because Benintendi's hurt, um, got hit in the hand uh, by Vessia, right? Vessia gets brought in and then drills him in the hand. Um, and then he comes up in the ninth and hits a slap, two RBI single, but before just uh, before he hits this uh, pitch, he bunts. And Jess Mendoza said, if he can't swing a bat, then why is he still in the game? Uh, and this is from uh, Rick Hans Burner. He said, ESPN, let me introduce you to 2022 Luis Robert. Um, so, again, Herb, you brought up earlier injury management. Here's Benny in the game. <laughs> I mean, is it because Clint Frazier's already in right field? Aloy's at DH. Is, 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 but there's just not the bodies to take Benintendi out at that point? I'm not sure, but uh, he wanted to play through it. But if you saw that um, that hit by pitch, they showed the pitch before he got hit by the pitch where he's flexing the bottom hand, which is his right hand, which got hit the subsequent pitch. And they said on the broadcast, and we brought it up here on uh, CHGO White Sox, that he broke his handmate bone last year for the Yankees. He only played a couple games with them. And so that might be still you know, sapping some of his power because he hit five home runs last year none so far for the White Sox. And you see there's really no pulling of the ball. There's no power. What he's got, like seven barrels on the year. And so not having your hands, the most important thing any baseball player has is going to be troublesome for him. Hopefully this is just a glancing blow, which he was taping his fingers together. Maybe it hit more the fingers than the bone and the handmate bone. And I think that would be a little bit better, but still not great. But he's playing major league average, slightly below average at left field losing him. It wouldn't be a great loss or if he went on to IL, but that's another player that is a major league player that you're going to be replacing with probably not a major league player 
or a, play, a player that's playing at a replacement level. So, yes, he's not been great. But also, the White Sox actually do need Andrew Benintendi to be good and to perform a little bit better. So getting hit on the hand, not an awesome thing for um, the White Sox and Andrew Benintendi. Well, not only uh, do you bring up the injury from last year, but I believe Daryl Van Scowen tweeted that Benintendi's just had a sore hand for the White Sox this year. He's been dealing with it of late. Um, so you have a sore hand, and then you get hit in the hand. Um, it did look like it, get, it got him in the fingers, Herb, uh, you know, just watching the replays, but uh, maybe it caught him um, a little bit more in the uh, palm part. Whatever. What is the what, what would you call the part of the hand below the fingers? Just the hand, right? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, the, maybe the backhand. Yeah, mm-hmm. the backhand or the or the palm. But uh, but yeah, it, it's not good. Obviously, he he looked to be very uncomfortable after that that hit him, and he was showing the feeling of it later in the game when he when he actually came through with a with a really nice hit. So um, we'll we'll see uh, if if there's any lingering stuff. We remember when he got hit in the elbow um, earlier in the season with a pitch. He was out for a couple of days. So um, who knows if this is going to be something similar. Hey, Dr. Anderson, you know, it's it's late. It slipped past me. It's the dorsal side. Of course, it's the dorsal side of our hands, folks. I mean, come on. Dr. Anderson, uh, again, is uh, here for your service. Um, Pedro Grafol got feisty. Uh, we mentioned uh, and kind of skipped over the Tim Anderson, Elvis Andres play uh, where they possibly had a force at second. Andres wasn't on the bag when he received the ball. Then he had to step on the bag and, uh, and Vargas's uh, foot uh, beat him to the bag. And Pedro Grafol immediately was saying challenge challenge hello anybody challenge can can we challenge this can we challenge this gets out of the dugout can we challenge this can we challenge this starts yelling at the umpire i said i wanted to challenge this i guess that's why he gets tossed out of the game right i I also thought it it seemed that way clock related it seemed like it was what you said and, and and espn was basically said that they had a reporter down there who told them as much um it seemed like he had uh alerted them that he wanted the the video replay um you know way before his time ran out but maybe the umps didn't see him for whatever reason even though i think that's their job is to look into the dugout and see if they should be doing a video replay but um especially on a close play like that so uh he he, it seemed like he might have had good reason to be upset uh, and and upset to the point where he got ejected tonight and i don't know if you guys believe in the type of like firing up your team by getting ejected getting hyped up but i don't know like if it was too late and that's what the the uh, reporter said but is that a rookie mistake or was he actually trying to do a thing where he's trying to hype his team up and i mean technically it worked because of the offensive output there but you know i i take those things with a grain of salt sometimes you could see a team is lifeless and your manager going out there to stick up for you and getting a little uh, animated maybe you can get some life out of that but I don't know if that would was what happened tonight. No, I honestly just think it looked like they showed the the replay of again him screaming from the dugout. It just seemed like the umpires uh, either didn't see him or it wasn't challengeable. I think that was also doing my best re- reading of the lips. Like it, it just it felt like he was saying, "Can I challenge that? I want to challenge that." Uh, you know, and I think he said, "Is that not challengeable?" or something like that. And then again, it gets wrung out. Are thrown out like I just I just did not understand what led up to him getting tossed because it seemed like he did everything right um anything else to add on him getting tossed okay uh Charlie Montoya take over oh I mean that play I don't know if we're going to talk about it but feel free we've already talked a little bit Tim Anderson that play is just inexcusable Absolutely. I mean, and play as a infielder or any outfielder, you have to think about this ball is hit to me quickly, quick and start to double play. If it's hit slowly, who's going around the line? Who's coming down second? You, all these things got to go in front of your mind before you even get the ball. And he gets that ball and the guy's already bearing down on Elvis. It's a bang, bang play no matter what. Just get the one out. You know, they tell you don't make a big inning out of something that could just be, you know, conceding that run, you're not going to get at home anyway. So make the second out and let your pitcher live to see another day. By doing that, you extended the inning and then the Dodgers can get a lead. I don't know what's going on with him. He needs to get his head in the game and play a little bit better because hitting 0 for 5. While everybody else was cracking today, Tim was not. And then the fielding is subpar. You can't have those mental blunders 
going on when we already talked about it. The White Sox are living on the margins. And so having plays like that usually would cost them the game. Luckily, their offense picked up and their defense and their uh, bullpen stepped to the plate. But Tim is he's lost. Absolutely. That was that was just a textbook example of trying to do way too much. I mean, he's trying to turn a double play where he can't turn a double play. He's he's trying to save a one run lead when, like you said, he opens up the door for them to blow that lead. And he, he's trying to turn two in a situation where he can't do it. Just get the one out. I mean, I, I it, it seemed very cut and dry that he was just trying, you know, we talk about guys who go up to the plate to try to hit a 10 run homer to break out of a slump or to, to erase a big lead all in one swing. You can't do it. And in, in that situation, he was trying to create a play that would have protected a lead that was basically impossible to, to create. So um, you're absolutely right. He needed to just throw the ball to first base in that situation. And the defensive um, mistakes uh, from a, from a mental standpoint, more so than a physical standpoint are, are, are piling up for TA as he obviously continues to struggle at the plate. Yeah. And more for the White Sox too. I mean, you know, Gregory Santos not backing up home and there there's the uh, home uh, throw home. That's a rye. Uh, gets past Grandal and a, a run is able to score there. And I, I just, again, ESPN showing the, uh, here are all the teams that are under 500 that made the playoffs. And Tim Kirchner's like, oh, Pedro Gafal has a real uh, uh, F, uh, emphasis on uh, fundamental uh, play. Because, uh, and uh, it's just like, have you seen the White Sox? Like, you know, it's just like, it's, he's probably really disappointed. It's just like, it's been the past five years, my man. I mean, they just don't, don't play fundamental defense or fundamental baseball. Uh, that's been the struggle for, for, Fans watching this team. Um, the other thing I want to bring up uh, with uh, Charlie Montoyo bringing in, we talked about Bob, Bob Nightingale. Uh, he had this note, uh, White Sox bench coach Charlie Montoyo, who plays the bongos in his free time to relax, just released a two-song album with agent Burton Rocks called Montoyo Rocks. They played Take Me Out to the Ball Game and El Romito de Baseball. Uh, quote, I loved salsa music ever since I was a kid. And quote, Montoyo said in a television interview from New York, Quote, and honestly, this came out pretty good. Really good. I love it. It's great. Vinny, new article. Let's go. Ask Charlie Montoyo about his bongos. Did he start playing his bongos for his lads? And is that why the comeback started? Many are asking. I think, uh, I think, uh, I don't think Bob was the first one on this. I think Scott oh. Merkin had this the other day. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, Charlie Montoyo uh, music, uh, music story is apparently making the media rounds. All right. Hey, I mean, it's I, I think, you know, we've already sat down with Jake Berger. I think it's time to hear uh, unplugged uh, Charlie Montoyo and the bongos. Uh, we should maybe get we, all the mics set up for Charlie. Maybe we can get Charlie to play a bongo salsa version of Tusk. Hell yes. <laughs> I love where your head's at. Uh, final. I don't think Tusk could be any worse. Final, I have heard. Knock it off. Um, <laughs> click to pick. Uh, here are the three picks that we had. Uh, Vinny picked Aloy. Sean picked Vaughn. Herb pick Grandall. Uh, none of those guys homered. Uh, therefore, click to pick is stupid, and no one wins because none, we didn't. No one did it right. What are you talking about? Aloy had two hits, an RBI, and a run scored. Jake Berger had two home runs. It's not that, that one of us has to pick, pick the guy. The it's not the one of us has to pick the guy who had the best night. It's and this is of why the three that it. were picked, who had the best night. I mean, Yasmani Grandal didn't have the opportunity to drive in runs, but he did go three for five. And did I mean, I think he deserves it. Hey, Andrew this is Vaughn a real a hit and a walk. And a double, too. Good base running, too. And good base running. Thank you. Uh, Grandal, uh, Grandal did, because he went first yeah. to third. This is a real, like, what hand wins in poker type situation where it's like, I've got... Two pair, you know, a full house, four of a kind, three of a kind. No, no I, I feel like nobody ever knows which of those is better. So this is probably where we're at tonight. Actually, now yeah, I'm I looking mean, at the thing. Yeah, Loy wins it because of the the run scored and the run driven in, and he didn't strike out as much as Yasmani. Jake Berger wins it because he had I two mean, home yes. runs. But when I when you know you guys picked it before the game as you're supposed to i didn't see the thing until literally i think andrew benatendi was betting in like the second inning and jake Berger had already hit a home run and i was like i could have picked him but i didn't and so i said like, i was gonna pick yasmani before the game and i did for the reason i said before because of familiarity with uh clayton kershaw he had a good game but i think my guy Eloy had a better game so then he got that one Congrats. you know who didn't get it sean 
Hey, oh, oh no. Oh, I needed, so I, pained. I needed a win because, you know, Sean, you've got me hooked now. And once the clock passed midnight, I went over to the Immaculate Grid. Oh, wow. To, to do so, to do today's new puzzle. And uh, I almost got it. I blew it on uh, Dodgers Royals combo because I, I thought that Matt Stairs played for the Dodgers and Ooh. I screwed it up. Oh, really? So I went eight. I went eight. I got eight of them, but not, did you, not the ninth. Did you already use a pitcher that's currently on the Royals? I mean, probably um, not. The, the, the guy, Granky? Yeah, that guy. Dude. That would have been a good guy. That would have been a good guy to pick. Ugh, right. See, sometimes these things just escape you. Hurdle break. I'm sorry, Ben. I got, uh, I got, uh, I got my Royal Astro double though with uh, Octavio Dotel. So <laughs> I was happy, happy with that. Hell yeah! Um, and that's where we'll end it uh, with an Octavio Dotel mention. Uh, you can follow Vinny Duber on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Let's say goodbye to him. He's gonna be uh, enjoying a weekend. He's gonna be going on a trip. So uh, we'll, we'll see him next week. Uh, but Vinny, uh, you know, he'll be out of the office on uh, Thursday and Sunday. So you can follow him on Twitter, but he might be a little quiet over there enjoying some family time. So enjoy, Vin. Uh, that's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwell23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. Uh, you'll see uh, him and myself uh, tomorrow for more White Sox and Dodgers pre and post game. Uh, so join us then. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. I think it's another 9-10 game. So uh, join us for an 8-30 pregame show tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Go Sox.